once you get to a point where you have two pairs of glasses that cost the same, look the same, feel the same, but one of them has all this Bluetooth tech, which one are you gonna go for? And most people will go for the tech nowadays, especially when it's really fully explained to them how it can really make things a little bit more convenient for them throughout the day. What do eyeglasses, blockchain, and social media all have in common? If you answered nothing, then obviously you haven't heard of Lucid. On this episode of Up Next in Commerce, I sat down with Harrison Gross, the co-founder and CEO of Lucid, a smart eyewear company that is bringing hardware and software together in pretty incredible ways. Harrison told me all about how the company was built on IP from research universities, an underutilized trove of crazy cool ideas, and how Lucid's crowdfunding backers became the perfect beta testers for the Lucid Light Glasses which are glasses fitted with Bluetooth technology that allow users to talk on the phone, listen to music, engage with Siri, and more, all without ever taking your phone out of your pocket. Smart glasses are not a new concept, so you may be wondering what makes Lucid different. Well, Harrison is developing an app to pair with the glasses that uses blockchain to create a social community where people can utilize tokens, buy and sell NFTs, and engage with people and brands, all from their eyewear. It's a whole new kind of commerce, and I'm excited to bring you today's conversation with Harrison Gross. Really quick, I want to say thank you, thank you to our awesome sponsor, Salesforce Commerce Cloud. And I'm going to allow them to give you the inside scoop into some of the findings from their most recent State of Commerce report. Hi, this is John from Salesforce. Did you know that companies of all sizes and industries power their digital customer journeys with Commerce Cloud? Salesforce Commerce Cloud delivers B2B and B2C commerce, as well as order management around the globe. And with Commerce Cloud, you can engage with your customers anywhere and personalize interactions everywhere. Scale and innovate with ease and drive some serious growth for your business. And speaking of innovation, we recently surveyed nearly 1,400 commerce leaders and analyzed the consumer shopping and business buying behavior of more than 1 billion customers worldwide. And we uncovered emerging trends that will influence how companies can be successful and stay ahead in this ever-evolving landscape. To check out the trends we discovered, go to sfdc.co slash commerce insights. That's sfdc.co slash commerce insights, one word. Before we get into the episode, I would love it if you could hit subscribe and give the show a rating and review. I really want to know what you think and hear how we're doing. All right, on to the interview. Hello and welcome back to Up Next in Commerce. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, CEO at Mission.org. Today on the show, we have Harrison Gross, who serves as the CEO and co-founder of Lucid. Harrison, welcome. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Excited to have you on. So for anyone who can't see you right now, you're wearing some beautiful eyeglasses that one would not even know there's anything different from maybe what they'd be wearing in their everyday life. So can you explain Lucid and what are you wearing right now? Yeah. So Lucid is a smart eyewear company. Uh, we've been developing different electronic glasses for a couple of years now. Um, I'm wearing our new product which is called Lucid Light, which launched this past January. Uh, it's very exciting because it's our first smart eyewear that really looks and feels like regular glasses. It weighs about the same as regular pair of glasses, and it's suitable for all-day prescription wear, uh, which is a major development in the smart eyewear space because most of the products out there are good for uh, a few minutes at a time or maybe an hour or two, but you can't wear them as your all-day glasses. So that's something that uh, we're really focused on is delivering optical quality eyewear that's enhanced with technology features. So for example, these glasses allow me to take a phone call, listen to music, uh, use voice assistants like Siri and Google Voice, all without taking my phone out of my pocket. 
So it's really like headphones and glasses in one. And uh, since it does both uh, well enough, you really don't need regular glasses or regular headphones anymore once you adopt our product. Yep. I love it. I mean, so we got a product, two of them sent to us and we were trying them out and it was so nice just being able to go walk the dog, listen to music, take a phone call. So tell me about, you know, the buttons on the eyewear, like how do you actually have the ability to not even touch your phone, but do all those things? Sure. Sure. So like I mentioned, it's really like a Bluetooth headset built into the glasses. So there's speakers on the inside of the arms and there's Mm -hmm. also a microphone as well. Uh, And then there's two touch buttons uh, right here, which allow you to do a number of different uh, functions on the glasses, like changing the volume of what you're listening to, uh, answering an incoming phone call, uh, or activating the voice assistant uh, to use an app. So it really uh, is very simple, very easy to use because there's only two buttons. It's very easy for anyone to just pick up the glasses and and start using them and and rocking out. So uh, it's really a fun product. And at the same time, it's very user-friendly, which is something that we noticed was a major issue in a lot of other smart eyewear products. Um, a lot of them use these kind of interesting touch pads to change volume or skip tracks. They're very difficult to use and unreliable. So we, we really learned a lot along the way from our previous products and incorporated all of that knowledge into the light. I love which, that. Which, as you can see, really does look like a regular pair of glasses. You couldn't yep. really be able to tell uh, that's a smart eyewear product unless I told you. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's what I love about it. And so is the speaker, is it bone conduction or is it actually just a speaker? Because I noticed that you couldn't, like when you're walking next to people, they can kind of hear it, but it's not like a full-on speaker blasting out to everyone around you. Yeah. So it's a directional audio speaker, not bone conduction, uh, that projects directly down onto the ear from the arm. Um, So this allows uh, something called open ear listening, which allows you to listen to audio content and still be able to hear your surroundings at the same time, which is very important for certain activities like cycling or running where you're on the street and you really need to hear the traffic around you. So it, it provides like a really nice balance of, of your, your hearing of the natural world around you and uh, the audio content you want to listen to. So what led you to, you know, getting into this world and creating that? Because I mean, I'm especially even thinking about the history and hearing about, you know, ah, Google Glass, the failures there. Like mm-hmm. what made you want to get into this world and show people, you know, there is actually a use case for this and it can be great. <laughs> So I was working in an IP investment firm called Tech Capital uh, a few Mm -hmm. years ago, and uh, we were tasked essentially with commercializing different university technologies from around the world. And one particular set of technologies we had uh, out of UCF was these smart smart eyewear technologies. And we we were attempting to license them out to other companies. It wasn't working really so well. And we figured, you know what, hey, let's, let's spin it out, make a startup out of it, and create the first mass market smart eyewear product. Because when we started back in 2017, uh, there really was nothing on the market that was suitable for prescription wear or had any kind of useful tech combined with optical glasses. So we set out to make that product. And uh, a few a few beta models later, uh, we finally achieved it. And what's really exciting about our company is that it's largely crowdfunded. Um, we've raised over a million dollars from about 4,000 investors. And they really help inform the product development in a way that uh, wouldn't happen in a regular top-down company. Um, so since we're community funded, we're also community focused and we're, and we're focused on delivering glasses that meet the needs of, of our community. Um, so they've worked very closely with us along the way and they've been our beta testers and our focus groups and all of that. So we've had this sort of built in uh, audience and customer base uh, that's been actually vested in our success in a material way. Uh, so they've really helped enhance our product development over time and really helped us figure out, you know, what styles we need and what, what uh, features we really needed in the product. Wow, that's awesome. I didn't even realize there was a whole industry around licensing IP from universities. I mean, I want to hear a bit more about that. Like, can you 
Tell me yeah. more like what were the things that you were seeing? I mean, I know universities are always doing cool right. things, but I didn't know that was an actual like, you know, investment firm saying, hey, I want to license your tech and see what I can do with it. Yeah, there aren't too many. There's only a handful of them that are uh, pulling university IP. It, it is really a fascinating thing because really that model kind of doesn't work anymore because everything is based around all, all the way that technology moves through the market is inside startups and inside mm-hmm. small companies. And larger companies, rather than licensing technologies directly, they'd rather buy a startup that's kind of proven out the technology into a product. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not so common anymore. Um, but what was really interesting about Tech Capital uh, is that at, at Tech, we had built a research network of 4,500 universities around the world, which is something like 80% of the IP producing schools in, in the world. And they, the schools all have a very hard time commercializing technologies themselves because they're not set up as businesses. Uh, you know, they're set up as academic institutions. So they, they have a really hard time finding commercial partners for all this really interesting innovation that's coming out of their labs. Some of the more interesting technologies we had seen, some really cool stuff, actually. Uh, one was a phone charger that was actually inside a shoe. And as you, as you walked in the shoe, it would generate a charge and you'd pull a little USB what? stick out of the shoe and uh-huh. then you'd get a backup battery for your phone. Okay. That's actually awesome. Where is that? Hello. I'll <laughs> license that. That's really cool. So, yeah. So we had actually licensed that technology, but it was one of the ones that didn't quite make it into production. Yeah. You don't want them powering your eyewear. I mean, I, then I won't ever have to charge it's it anymore. Yeah. It's definitely a possibility. Um, one thing that's nice about the lucid glasses though, is the battery life is about mm-hmm. eight hours of playback. So yep. you really only have to charge them every couple of days yep. uh, for most people. Obviously some people listen to music from dawn to dusk. Uh, while they're working. And for those people, they'll need to charge it on a daily. But uh, the battery technology has gotten really impressive. And just in this little tip, we store that eight hour battery. And with some new, like interesting battery polymers that are out there, you can actually have a battery in any shape now. Uh, So we're working on creating a larger battery that's spread uh, more evenly throughout the arm. Um, But one of the technologies that did make it uh, out of the universities that is really powerful is one called microsalt. And what it is, is it's a salt, it's a salt particle that's It's just salt, but it's way smaller. So it has more surface area by weight. So your tongue senses it twice as fast as regular salt. So you can have food that's just as, that tastes just as salty, but has half the sodium. So that's another um, uh, technology that uh, Tech Capital, my former employer, uh, did bring to market. Uh, So there are a lot of really interesting things coming out of the universities. And it's a very, uh, you have some of the smartest people in the world, you know, working in these research labs and uh, creating these wonderful technologies, but they have a hard time turning them into companies. And you do have some universities like Stanford that spin out dozens of startups a year mm-hmm. around the technologies that they develop. So some of them are kind of getting wise to how to do it. But yeah, it's, it's very, been a very interesting uh, time working with all these emerging technologies. Uh, very fascinating stuff. Wow. That's cool. So, I mean, early days, you're licensing this tech. You're like, there's mm-hmm. you know, big potential here. What did it look like next to even create, you know, your V1 set? <laughs> it's kind of a long story, but um so we had all these technologies, we were trying to license them out, and we, saw, we just saw this need in the market for good, user-friendly, comfortable, smart eyewear. Didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And we basically set out uh, to tick off these boxes that we believed uh, needed to all be answered in order to create that product. Um, so one by one, we went through and we figured out, okay, so how do we get it in a user-friendly form factor that, that, that is very easy to use? That was the one, first thing. Second, how do we get it you know, suitable for all-day optical wear? How do we get it with a battery life that's long enough to be useful? Um, how do we get the audio quality high enough to, to be able to listen to music enjoyably? So we've had to answer all of these different issues that existed in smart eyewear one by one uh, to finally result in this in a mass market product. Mm-hmm. So it's been a long journey uh, and step by step. This is really our fifth product uh, that we've done. 
so it, it took several models and it also took the, um, the, the chipsets getting more miniaturized and all these other things that have happened along the way. Uh, some, some innovations which were internal to us and some which were external by our manufacturers, et cetera, to really create this product. But it, it's, it's been an ongoing process and we're not nearly done yet. There's still lots of innovation to be done and uh, getting the arms even thinner. So they're really indistinguishable from regular glasses and uh, improving the sound quality and all these other things that we're working on uh, to make it perfect. So we're not quite uh, 100% finished with, with, with our job. We still have a lot of work to do in, uh, in, in getting smart eyewear to be the new standard in eyewear uh, writ large. That's amazing. So, I mean, so far we've kind of talked about, you know, the speaker capability and mm -hmm. music and things like that. But what was so interesting to me was seeing also kind of how you guys are going to be leaning into augmented reality and blockchain. And to mm -hmm. me, when you're looking at the market right now, you know, you see some competitors with smart speaker eyewear, then you see, sure. you know, smart glasses, but seeing someone who can put it all together in one place in a way that's actually usable, you don't really see that right now. So I want to hear how you're thinking about, you know, AR in the real world and blockchain coming together around smart eyeglasses. So we were originally developing a, a visual smart glass before we realized the market was not nearly ready for such a product, nor was the technology sufficiently advanced enough to make it user friendly. So in that world, I had envisioned a system where we could use blockchain to sort of automatically moderate and promote content. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about visual smart, uh, visual smart glasses, AR smart glasses, is that it will be a platform where you both create and consume content in one wearable, mm -hmm. which is really kind of a first. Um, so we envisioned this kind of robust system where uh, you'd have content creators on one side and you'd have content consumers on the other side. And you'd have kind of these blockchain systems in between them to help modulate the transfer of content and the exchange of content between them, mm -hmm. uh, as well as kind of automatically scale, scalable moderation of content. Essentially, uh, as content gets highly rated on the platform, uh, you would have tokens released to the content creators, which they can then use to promote their content and perform other functions in the system. However, over time, since we're now focused on audio eyewear, which is much more uh, suitable to today's market, mm -hmm. uh, we've actually translated a lot of those concepts into our upcoming app called Verb, which will be actually a fully tokenized social app. So many of those concepts that we had originally about using blockchain to, um, to moderate and control the exchange of, of software on smart eyewear, we're now applying that to social content in Verb. As uh, highly rated content creators, uh, you know, release more content on the platform, they'll be able to do all kinds of different things like set up uh, tokenized paywalls to their content and uh, use the tokens that they, that they generate by creating highly rated content to then promote uh, their brand and promote their company on the platform. Um, so we're sort of using, uh, you know, blockchain technology to create this network of social content on Verb uh, that, that uses blockchain to help manage the the payments, peer-to-peer -peer payments for that content, yep. and also to you know reward the content creators with an automated system. So it's uh, it's, it's changed a little bit in terms of our view of how we intend to apply uh, blockchain technology, but it's now being distilled. Instead of being on the glasses itself, it will be in a companion app that enhances the functionality of the glasses while also being usable with without any uh, wearable or without headphones. It will have a full visual interface. It can be used as its own social media app uh, by itself. So that's essentially the long and short of it is um, just creating this sort of token system that gamified, creates a gamified social media experience uh, where people accrue tokens by creating positive content. And then they can mm -hmm. spend those tokens on a number of different things, premium content, promotions, app upgrades, and the like. Okay. So if I'm the creator, what does that look like? I'm just imagining wearing the headphones, 
oh. saying what I want to be posted. It's going and getting posted. Is it just the audio that's going or what, mm -hmm. what's actually happening? Well, if you're posting on the glasses, it would be just audio, mm -hmm. uh, which is something that we're enabling um, where you'll be able to post fully hands-free by activating Siri and using a custom Siri command we're creating mm -hmm. uh, that will allow you to create new voice posts. So that's one way. But essentially, yeah, you'd create, it's sort of similar layout, the visual component is sort of similar layout to Twitter, create new posts, but you'll have a lot more control over your content. You'll be able to set a price for it um, and users will be able to uh, send you custom tips. Uh, so if they want to tip you one token or five tokens for the content, they'll be able to do that. Um, so that's based on a very successful model in live streaming apps like LiveMe, where it's, it's actually solely powered by, uh, the content creation on those apps is solely powered by user tips. Hmm. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, we actually cobbled together a few different monetization schemes from some different popular apps and uh, turned them into a kind of a more complete system on Verb. So we'll have the tipping mechanisms, we'll have the sort of content paywalls um, that you see on some premium sites. Uh, and then we'll have like sort of features like the Steam blockchain where um, users can, uh, can provide tokens to each other if they like their content. And then all these sort of automated token releases that we'll, be having, that we'll have an app just for like, let's say checking in uh, and all that. And then everything will run on this token in the app. So like, let's say you want to run an ad that will cost you tokens. So you would be able to either buy those tokens in fiat or, you know, accrue them uh, by using the app or on a regular basis or by creating highly rated content. Um, so essentially that's, that's what we're trying to do is implement this reward system to attract uh, premium audio content creators to the platform. Um, and then, you know, they would be able to cash out their tokens as well if they wanted to remove that value from the platform. One thing that we know is, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an audiophile, I listen to a lot of music, I create audio products. Um, there's not many places for indie artists or even big artists to monetize their, their music. Um, so that was something that we really wanted to create with Verb, as well as with podcasts also. I mean, there's Patreon, but very few people use Patreon or are comfortable signing up for a Patreon account. So we're trying to create a very smooth system where people that create high quality audio content have a new home to, to share their content with the world and get paid for it. Hey there, are you enjoying the show so far? Well, imagine your company's advertising placed right in this very spot during a future interview with another elite e-commerce mind. Imagine your messaging and logo directly connected to the industry's most prominent innovators and thought leaders, distributed across every major podcast platform and social network. Yeah, well, it's time to stop imagining. Learn how you can partner with Upnext in Commerce and sponsor this very show. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org and let's have a conversation. When I hear both of these like things that you're working on, you're essentially kind of creating two businesses. You've got building a wearable, hard, building a social network, very hard. So uh -huh. how are you going about attracting, you know, customers to both and finding your audiences and showing people, you know, this wearable is an everyday thing now, like the future is here. You just have to come try it out. And mm -hmm. also there's a new social network as well. How are you uh -huh. finding your audience? Oh, uh, well, just to backtrack for one second, I think the hardware is actually much more difficult than the software. Yeah, because uh, when you're dealing, I just, this is just for like, you know, the other entrepreneurs watching and, and things like that. Getting into developing a tech hardware product is infinitely more difficult than developing software because mm -hmm. um, software is just there's much lo lower overhead. You're not dealing with physical materials. You're not shipping product back and forth and to and fro across the country and across other countries and having this very slow iteration process of designing new styles and 3D and creating those samples and checking the sample. There's just so much more that goes into hardware. That it's like mind boggling. Yeah. Um, so if, if I if I had my choice of one or the other, I would love to just do software. But um, I think, you know, you know, things are going so well with the hour business, we have to, we have to keep at that as well. But there's really, uh, what's interesting about the two sides of the business is they work fully independently, but mm -hmm. they also work together very well through these different voice commands that we're programming into the app. 
that allow you to do all sorts of different things, like hear different types of content through Siri. Uh, like it can be like, you know, Siri, uh, let me hear a podcast on verb about fishing. And then I could, you know, just fetch that podcast and start playing it through the glasses. Um, but there's a lot of cross promotion opportunities. Like we can sell the glasses within the app. We can promote okay. the glasses within the app. We can have download codes for the app on all of our glasses on the packaging or on the glasses itself even. And then, you know, one thing we're rolling out is a virtual try-on display for our different optical stores uh, that carry our products. So this has a a little experience, shows a video about the glasses, and then it lets you try on the glasses virtually, uh, and then kind of like prompts you to ask the salesperson to to try it on physically. But we can update all of these kiosks as they're out there in the marketplace with new content about the app and download codes for the app and promos and all of that. So there's a lot of interesting things where we can uh, use our eyewear business as sort of a gateway into the app. Yeah. Uh, and then once they're in the app, they're kind of like part of our community and they get more information about our upcoming releases and all that stuff uh, and all the latest company updates just by virtue of being on the app. Because we can like automatically subscribe everyone that signs up to follow, you know, much like Tom on MySpace. We're the, we're the Tom of this Tom. app, right? <laughs> I haven't thought about Tom in a while. Yeah, I'm aging myself a little bit, right? But <laughs> no, I mean, I was on MySpace. It was great. That was the beginning of, of the social internet. Yeah, that's it how was. we knew it was possible. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean... What's awesome about that is you think about every person or with every company with a product wants a community, every community yeah. wants a product. And so you're kind of doing both. Are you going to be encouraging yeah. people inside the social network to all use Lucid or will they be able to use, you know, any of their devices to be able to post an update? Yeah. I mean, you can use it just, you know, speaking into your phone microphone, you don't have to have our glasses, but the mm-hmm. idea is that we're enhancing smart eyewear with social content. So there is definitely a sort of a, uh, a little bit of a mini ecosystem that's created between the hardware and the software together. But you know, what's really nice about the app is that it's so much easier to get someone to download an app than to buy a pair of glasses. Mm-hmm. But once they're in the app, we can sell them pretty hard on the glasses, you know, show yeah. the different functionalities that are possible. Be like, Hey, you want to take a t- quick tutorial about how to use the verb app with, uh, with wearables? Sure. Okay. And then it you know, shows the glasses, a video of the posting on the glasses. Once they have downloaded the app, we can strongly encourage them to, to purchase, you know, even releasing discounts and uh, yeah. coupons through the app as well. One, one reason that we are so ambitious in creating both of these you know, things, which are uh, really massive projects unto themselves, is we want to create a viable alternative to you know, these huge social media giants that have sort of taken over a lot of people's lives and, and eat up so much screen time. Mm-hmm. There's like an addictiveness to a lot of the social media that's out there. And uh, there's so many, you know, they, they, I read something crazy. The average American sees like 5,000 ads a day. Wow. I believe it probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we wanted to take away the focus away from all that and the focus away from harvesting your data to sell to advertisers and all the stuff that the main social networks are now notorious for and really just focus on the human voice and uh, something that has largely gone missing from the internet age. And, and really focus on just people's voices and, and letting people speak their truth and really share, you know, what they love uh, in, in a very direct fashion and without having to look at their screen. Um, cause you know, there's all these studies coming out now that the more time you spend on your screen, the less happy you are. And it's especially pronounced in adolescence. Yeah. There's something inherently wrong with the amount of time and energy that people are devoting on these visual, uh, photo-based social platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted to make one that was all about just people speaking their mind and, uh, having, having conversations with each other. And it sort of grew out as a natural extension of the eyewear. Yeah, that's very, very cool. So what other technologies are you exploring on that side? I mean, you said you're, you know, utilizing blockchain. Like I mm-hmm. can imagine NFTs could be important if you're having artists on there, potentially like trying to monetize their music. I mean, what other things are you thinking about? 
So it's funny that you mentioned NFTs because uh, we actually create, we hired uh, two NFT artists to create unique pairs of glasses, the physical uh, lucid glasses that are okay. in uh, artist designed handmade packaging mm-hmm. and they have a component digital NFT with them. And that's a product that we're releasing in the near future. Um, another thing we're considering for NFTs. Um, so in the Verb app, we want to have this robust item system where like, even if you like get a new skin uh, for the app, so in the app, instead of emojis, we have what's called sound effects, which are like audio emojis that okay. represent just like a dog barking yep. or a heartbeat or something mm-hmm. representing a, a visual emoji that you can drop into your audio track. Um, so like you'll be able to get new packs of those as like an in-app purchase, mm-hmm. right? So that's something that would be tied to an item that you would be able to trade to other users. Uh, Got it. And then ideally by at making those items NFTs, we allow people to withdraw them and exchange them, uh, the rarer items at least on OpenSea or other marketplaces like that. So we're very into that space. Um, we think it's a, it's a very interesting uh, opportunity. I mean, it's just, it's hard, it's hard to not be kind of a jump on the bandwagon uh, company when it comes to that, when it comes to a lot of these different things in crypto. Mm-hmm. We're trying to stay true to our original goal, just creating user-friendly smart eyewear and you know, software that enhances that. Yep. Um, so the NFTs aren't as directly relevant to what we're doing, uh, but we do think there is an opportunity to just add another level of like fun and excitement uh, to the app. That's great. So tell me a bit about, you know, your marketing when it comes to, you know, finding new customers for your eyewear. Like what are your preferred channels right now or where are you seeing success to kind of drum up interest and also show, hey, we're way different than anyone else in the market right now? Well, you know, what's interesting is that until about three months ago, we've been almost exclusively a direct-to-customer direct uh, business, mm-hmm. selling directly through our website, uh, where we, we do have our own lens labs, so we're able to ship prescription pairs and all of that, and selling through Amazon. But about three months ago, uh, we kind of debuted the brand to the optical industry at a show called Vision Expo East, and the response from the optical industry was so positive that we immediately started coordinating a lot more of our efforts around getting optical stores and eyewear stores uh, around the country to start carrying the product. And now the balance is tipped almost to 50-50, where we're about half direct consumer now and half uh, B2B. Mm-hmm. Um, so things have changed a lot. And now we really see the optical, uh, these optical stores, and there's 30,000 of them in the US. We see them as, as the future of the company because uh, that's where people are comfortable trying new glasses. That's where yeah. people are comfortable... Uh, you know, having new eyewear experiences. That's where they, that's where they go for that. So we think it's really a natural fit uh, for all of those outlets. Um, so we're very focused now on getting opticians around the country, become aware of the brand, start carrying the products. And we have a very uh, optician-centric uh, business model for that. We give them a lot of support, uh, co-op marketing and all of that. And um, smart eyewear is it's here. It's here now, and it's not going anywhere. And we really believe at Lucid in the future that all eyewear, or almost all eyewear, will be smart eyewear. Because mm-hmm. once you get to a point where you have two pairs of glasses that cost the same, look the same, feel the same, but one of them has all this Bluetooth tech, yep. you know, which one are you going to go for? And most people will go for the tech uh, nowadays, especially when it's really fully explained to them how, uh, how it can really make things a little bit more convenient for them throughout their day. Yep. We've been trying to market it through the eyewear stores basically now and uh, trying to get them to adopt it. And like I mentioned, that dig- Tryon kiosk, mm-hmm. we developed a piece of software for that and we're getting that out to the store starting next month. Um, so we're trying to give them everything they need to not just carry the frames, but also educate the customers about smart eyewear in general, because still 99% of people never tried a smart eyewear product, don't fully understand what it does, what it mm-hmm. feels like. So you know, the, these kiosks will really go a long way in, in educating customers in store uh, without the reps having to you know, go through the whole spiel. Uh, so we think that that experience will be really important. 
And then we do um, drive a lot of traffic from TikTok these days. Yeah, I think I saw on your homepage, it said popular on TikTok. So I wanted to hear what that looks like for you guys. Well, you know, it's, it's just mostly user generated content that we use, you know, uh, some influencers, some regular customers uh, create great videos for us, just talking through the product. And it comes across much more authentic and real than mm-hmm. a traditional advertisement. The larger portion of our web traffic is now coming from TikTok. Uh, and, wow. you know, this whole thing with, um, I don't know how much you know about it, but there were some changes in the uh, iPhone OS. And what that did was, it, it, I mean, it turned the whole Facebook model on its head. And mm-hmm. we've driven um, not just sales through Facebook, but also investment through Facebook. Mm-hmm. So we had to really go back to the drawing board and we're like, you know, we know video is more engaging. So, you know, let's, let's focus on TikTok. Let's, let's start making a lot of great videos, engaging content. We only created the account, I think maybe a month or two ago, we have over a thousand followers now, and we have a lot of great, um, some of our best content is on there because it's just real people doing real things with the glasses. Mm-hmm. It's just people, you know, cycling or having fun or talking about how the glasses make their, make their day easier. And are you encouraging these people to post something or how are you kind of getting that conversation started? Because, you know, I can imagine a lot of brands being like, I want organic content like that, but it's easier said than done. Most of the higher quality stuff comes from influencers that we work mm-hmm. with that are just accustomed to, to developing unique content uh, for different products that they work with. Mm-hmm. Some of them are just people that are kind of our fans that just really like our product and we, we work with them. But yeah, I think, you know, having that sort of organic content approach is really vital and it just really helps the brand, can, you know, a, a brand which is normally is just kind of seen as like a corporate entity. Mm-hmm. Uh, really make it more like a relatable human experience. The, yeah. the TikTok content is performing very well for that reason because it's just so authentic. And it's just, yeah. you know, chill people having a great time with the glasses. It's not, um, you know, so salesy, uh, yeah. which people really balk at these days. Yeah, I agree. Are there any other platforms you guys are trying out or testing that are maybe outside the norm? So not Instagram or Facebook, but anything that's a little bit out there. We do. A, we're very active on Pinterest. I think our Pinterest page has like two hundred thousand views a, a month or something. It's it's uh, it's pretty high volume, but mm-hmm. it doesn't convert that well. Okay. <laughs> I think people just like to grab the photos and check us out, but they yep. don't really necessarily go through to purchase. Yeah, we do get a lot of brand awareness from uh, Pinterest. I think you know YouTube. While it's really hard to build a following, is where you get kind of a higher level of engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, so we focus on that as well. But since we're developing our own social platform, it's like, how much, how much effort do we want to put into these other social platforms when we yeah. have our own account where we're going to need this huge, robust yeah. content line just to keep it going? Mm-hmm. So a lot of our effort is just focused on creating our own app. TikTok has been like the star, though, uh, of the year in terms of uh, social promotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I highly encourage any brands listening to, uh, to get on the platform, start creating some fun portrait format videos. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It definitely, especially if you're seeing conversions. I know that was a question in the early days of, oh, is it, you know, fake followers and is this engagement real? But if you can actually see the conversions after the fact, then you might as well try. If you can have the stamina yeah. to keep up with the videos and the new content. Yeah, one other thing we do, which um, is kind of surprising for a startup as we run broadcast TV ads on cable. Oh, interesting. And it's, it's expensive. This is kind mm-hmm. of a high buy-in. Pay around 25K a week for the ads that we run them, but we get, you know, thousands upon thousands of views of the commercial. Mm-hmm. And it does drive a huge amount of brand awareness. Um, yeah. so that that was very impressive. This, I even have like my my uh, best friend from childhood call me up. Hey, I just saw Lucid commercial on TV. You know, I'm thinking about buying another pair. So uh, you really get a huge amount of uh, recognition in a very short period of time, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you have an A-list brand ambassador to be the face of that commercial. 
Yeah, so there's there's a lot of opportunity for very uh, rapid compressed growth uh, with TV. I think that is still there for companies willing to roll the dice and uh, and take the higher buy-in. Mm-hmm. The one sort of major downside I'd say is that it does like everything, all types of ads. It takes some time to optimize. Yeah. Uh, so you know you might be kind of uh, dis- very disappointed in that first week, but then that second week you might see you know just that slew of orders come through that makes it worth it. So we think TV has a lot of potential as well, but mainly from the, uh, an awareness perspective rather than yeah. from a direct conversion perspective. Um, and it also TV helped us get a lot of investment as well. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see from the investment standpoint. I mean, it's a crowdfunding aspect you have, right? Where you can even go to your homepage and you have the ability to invest in Lucid. Can you still do that? And if so, tell me a bit about how you guys are thinking yeah, about Yeah, so it's all through Start Engine actually, which is mm-hmm. the sort of big names in, in crowdfund- equity crowdfunding these days. The equity crowdfunding has been wonderful because it's really a new advent in like in terms of like how you can start a company these days. Because mm-hmm. until I think between like 2000 and 2015 or so, you weren't able to really do equity crowdfunds. You could only do traditional investment. You could have like friends and family investors. You could do a Kickstarter, which is not a crowdfund, not an equity crowdfund, but rather sort of a pre-order crowdfund mm-hmm. uh, where you're selling the product. But you're, the thing is with Kickstarters, your chance of actually coming out ahead capital wise is pretty low because all that money you're taking in, you're not just spending on product, you're spending on product development to get you to that product if you can even get there. Mm -hmm. But what's really nice about the equity crowdfund is we can take the best parts of the Kickstarter where you get the, you know, the exciting new products, part of it. Uh, We have that as a perk, um, but you can actually buy shares in the company. So this was not allowed for quite some time. And then the new legislation uh, revived it uh, in the mid 2010s. Uh, it was still very difficult at that time. And then a few years went by and then you started having these kind of very refined crowdfunding platforms that have huge communities of investors behind them already, um, which then they're able to put on these new projects. And then the crowdfund platform takes a percentage of the raise. Mm-hmm. So it really is a very powerful thing because if you were an entrepreneur five years ago and you wanted to raise a million dollars and you're not in Silicon Valley, you're basically SOL. But now through these crowdfund platforms, if you have a great idea, a great team, a great company, you can put it up there and let the world see you. And if they like what you're doing, uh, they'll invest. That's been a, a major benefit to the company. And not to mention um, in terms of raising the capital, but building that community, which is what is going to give your brand staying power and mm-hmm. not just be a flash in the pan. So we have these 4,000 investors who are materially vested in our success. And that means they buy our products. Sometimes some of them buy every new product launch we do uh, for years now. It's a much more powerful thing to build a company this way because we're not just a couple of guys with some funding. We're a couple of guys supported by thousands of eyewear enthusiasts. That's awesome. You've got your true fans, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um it's created this kind of extended lucid family and uh, we're all kind of in it together and they are, they support us and we give them great products. And it's, it kind of creates this very uh, positive mutual relationship. And, and I think in large part of success with the lucid light product is due to that community and their support, uh, not just because they've helped fund the product, but because like I mentioned before, they're so integral to the actual product development process itself. I love it. Okay. So where do you guys want to be in the next one to three years? Like, what are you betting big on right now? Where do you see yourself? Well, we want lucid glasses in every optical store in the country. There's no Mm -hmm. doubt about that. And I think it's very achievable because it's a great product at a great price. So I think in one year, I'd like lucid to be like a household name in terms of smart eyewear. And then you go out another year or two, we're on the shelves in every city. And, you know, 
uh, we actually just signed a really big deal with, Can- with uh, Canada, a three-year distribution deal with a company called Marca. It's one of the biggest eyewear distributors in Canada. Um, so they're already getting to work, getting the product across Canada. So now it's on us to do the same in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And the potential's there because we just we see it in our customers' faces when they first try on the product. They just love it. And um, yeah. they don't want to go back to regular glasses once they get used to the audio eyewear. Yeah, you should get videos of when people are trying it on. I'm like, you know, first reaction. There was a couple things going around around that happening with Netflix series. But imagine it yeah. with your product instead and capturing, yeah. you know, how people are when they're kind of listening to it and being able to do everything from one spot. Yeah, I mean, that goes back to the UGC thing we were talking about where yep. user-generated content is just so powerful because it's like authentic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I think that is another goal. Um, by the end of this year, we're hoping to have 20 styles available, mm-hmm. which would is, is far and away more than any of the competition is offering. Um, also, we're uh, um, trying to come out with the first Bluetooth safety glass. Uh, so that will be really major for a lot of people in different industries that just can't use their hands to touch their phone while they're working, mm-hmm. uh, or they need to wear safety glasses, but also need hands-free communication with their team. Um, so like one example of uh, a great story about this, we had a doctor in the Dominican Republic order, I think, 30 units for his students because he wanted to be able to talk them through surgeries, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and totally hands-free without anything in their ears. So the product was a great tool, uh, you know, in the hospital. And then, for example, like we have this uh, a couple of postal workers that buy from us and they, they can't wear headphones. They're not allowed to wear headphones while they're working. Mm-hmm. But our glasses let them not only protect their eyes, but also enjoy audio content while they're working for the first time. Uh, because of that open ear, uh, open ear technology. So we're hearing all the time about how glasses are making people's work lives better and help and helping uh, their their leisure life as well. And, and it makes it it encourages them to go out with the dog more and you know go exercise more. And they don't need to worry about having the headphones and the glasses. And it's just it's just simpler. So we want to make all these different frames so anyone, regardless of their head shape or head size, can find a style that they like. Mm-hmm. And that's something very different from. Uh, what a lot of the other smart eyewear companies are doing. Um, Cause like, for example, if you look at it from like Microsoft or Bose's perspective, it's consumer electronic product. It's not eyewear. Mm-hmm. So you don't have, they don't see that need for 50 different styles yep. in the way that we do since we're primarily an eyewear business. Yep. I love it. Let's move over to the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. This is where I ask you a question and you have 30 seconds or less to answer. Harrison, are you ready? All right, let's do it. All right. First one, what's one thing you don't understand but wish you did? App development. I, w- I wish I- I've done a lot of front-end app design and I actually have an awarded patent for, uh, for the utility patent on, an app, on, on Verb. Uh, sorry, on, on another app I developed called Link. Actually creating apps and the mechanics of designing and developing uh, app systems is something that I feel like is a major gap in my knowledge. Hmm. Yep, that's a good one. I love it. What's the best piece of business advice that you refer back to? Okay, I I can't remember exactly where it came from, but there's this line about find a need in the market and fill it. Mm -hmm. I I don't know who originally came up with that line. Someone smart. Yeah, (laughs) that was like sort of the reason to enter of Lucid. Like there was no smart eyewear out on the market that just did the job. So we, we set out to fill that need. I love that. All right. If you want to get creative, what do you do? I'm kind of a night owl. So like my creativity will often strike when I'm sitting in my boxers on my couch uh, on the laptop, just, you know, watching Netflix and I'll be like, oh, it's a great idea. I got to implement this now. 
Um, so I, I feel like just, I, I'm just one of those kind of people where the juices just start flowing when they start flowing. And for me, it's usually in the middle of the night. Uh, yeah. Nice. Love it. All right. And then what's been the most surprising thing while building Lucid that you weren't expecting? I don't think I ever expected us to really become a full-on optical eyewear company. I always thought in the beginning, we, we saw it as a tech product as well. Mm-hmm. Eyewear stores around the country love us because we create a product for them that gives them a whole new category. So we think that, that, uh, that that's something I wasn't expecting. I, I didn't think Lucid would ever be sold in eyewear stores. I always thought it would be a direct-to-consumer business, but now it's completely flipped. That's cool. Hey, pivots. Every company has some big pivots that oh, are yeah. mostly unknown, actually, but I love that. You have to to survive. I mean, mm-hmm. yep, completely agree. All right, Harrison, this has been yeah really fun having you on the show. For anyone who hasn't checked out the Lucid glasses, you should. But for now, where can people find out more about you and Lucid? Uh, of course, check out our website, lucid.co, L-U-C-Y-D.co. And uh, feel free to email us if you have any questions. Love to answer. Really appreciate the time today. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Harrison. See ya. All right. Cheers. listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.